guys and welcome back to the podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode because a bit ago I had done one with my husband Aiden on just answering a lot of questions that we often get and I thought it would be fun because I did an episode last week answering your guys' life advice questions. I didn't get to get to all of them and there were so many about grad school, career things, and then again just a lot on relationships that I didn't get to touch on and I thought it would be so fun to actually bring Aiden on and have him answer the questions with me as well. So that is what today's episode is. We talked for about 45 minutes so I'm going to keep this intro pretty short but I just thought it was so fun. It's fun to get a guy's perspective and also we recorded this pretty late at night so it's just a very chatty episode talking about a lot of different life things that we all go through so I hope you guys enjoy it. I guess for my highs and lows of the week I'm recording this on Sunday before it is posted and it's been quite a great week. I've just been loving doing a ton of fall things. We have had a pretty chill weekend. Yesterday we went to the farmer's market. I did a cute little reel on my Instagram just kind of sharing what our Saturday was but it was a ton of fun hanging out with family a lot and just enjoying the time and yeah I really don't have any lows after I record this I'm going to be finishing Squid Game which is a show that if you guys are living under a rock you may have never heard of no I'm just kidding I had heard a lot of people talk about it but I didn't really know if it was something that I would like typically not someone who likes really gory graphic shows but it has me so hooked and last night I kid you not I stayed up till 2 a.m which I never do trying to finish but I didn't get to finish the last episode so I'm about to watch it and yeah it's definitely a very dark show I will just give that disclaimer but really such great acting such a great plot that really keeps you hooked it's absolutely horrifying as a show and I just want to say if you're not someone who can take like really intense scenes a lot of violence and just yeah it's very dark I think it has a lot of really good themes and symbolism in it we've been watching a lot of the analysis videos on YouTube and yeah, I definitely think it's worth watching if you're trying to find a new show, but I do just want to give that disclaimer. I also finished the show Made on Netflix, and that was also really great if you're needing a new show. That one also just had a great storyline, great character development, really great show. And yeah, I really don't have a lot of lows of the week. I think that life has been pretty chill just working on work and trying to get through it. We drove around and looked at houses this past weekend too, which was really fun. And I have a whole vlog coming out about that on Tuesday too, if you guys want to look forward to that. But I also did want to say that I'm going to be having some guests on for the next few episodes. I have Kenzie Elizabeth we're going to be recording this week, which I'm so excited for. We're going to be talking about being an influencer, a content creator, kind of tips and behind the scenes with that. And then I'm also in chats with a few other people that I know you guys are going to love. There's some people visiting Dallas here soon that I'm going to be recording with. So there are definitely fun guests coming if you guys want to make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get alerts when it goes up. Definitely think there's some great things coming, but I appreciate you all so much. I hope you're having a great day and let's just get right into the episode. Is on the podcast. Back. It's a Friday night. I just started watching Squid Game. I'm a little bit disturbed. Ate some Thai food. We got some Thai food and we're gonna answer some questions today. I'm ready. And they're on a bunch of different topics. So there are a lot on relationships, some on careers, some on I feel like it was mostly those two, but those are good things. I'm ready. Let's start. These are also kind of long too, the ones that people sent in. So she says, I've been a day one listener and always appreciate how thoughtful you are in your life oh, wait, and how you. 
I they're anonymous. Oh, anonymous. Okay. They don't want me to say their name. Oh, I'm sure some people don't care. But um, thanks for being a light on my Monday lunch break walks, which is so sweet. She says, on to the advice. I'm currently engaged to my longtime boyfriend, and he is incredible. The issue is I'm having is internal. I'm an overthinker, and this has caused so many challenges for me. For example, if he doesn't do the laundry one week, complete a chore he has taken on, I start to spiral and think he will forget to pick up our future kids from school. Sounds like us. What? Do you have any advice for how to stop these intrusive thoughts and give my partner more grace? He is truly amazing, and I wish these thoughts didn't hinder me sometimes. I guess from my perspective, I just think it's probably not as big of a deal as what you're thinking in your head. I don't think just because he forgets to do the laundry one day that he's going to forget to pick up your kids one day. I think that's day. just a lot of guys. A lot of guys aren't task-oriented, big, bigger picture thinkers. They yeah. just kind of forget about tasks when their mind might be set on something different. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe you just haven't clearly communicated, like, who's doing what. No, I don't think that's what it is. At least think? not for us. Like, I never think if you forget to do something, you're intentionally doing Plus, it. Plus, like, when you... we were dating, I was way worse about chores than when we got married. Oh, yeah. You whipped me into shape pretty well with this stuff. Yeah, it's I thought you were going to be less clean though. than you were. Yeah, you feel a different uh, level of responsibility when you're actually living together and married or yeah. not married. Yeah, I think that, too. I think it was a lot different than when I lived with roommates. Yeah, because I was an absolute slob with just roommates. But it's also about, like, do you respect the person you're living with? Yeah. And the respect I have for you is different than the lack of But I'm assuming he's already, she's already living with him because she said if he forgets to do laundry one time or forgets a chore he's taken on, she spirals. I wonder what kind of chores he's taken on. I think it's just household stuff. Yeah. I would just say to communicate it. I think if it's something where he just continually doesn't do it, you can bring it up. I always think about if something bothers you five minutes a day and that time's going to add up over the course of your life to three days of being annoyed. If it's that small thing, like he needs a checklist. If he's doing other things that are good. You like when I like lay things out. Yeah. When you make it clear that you want me to take out the trash. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Like instead of being passive aggressive when that, something yeah, that's doesn't another, get done. That's another fix. Like yeah. being, yeah, what you're saying. Be upfront about it. Uh-huh. Communicate your expectations clearly. Make sure your expectations are reasonable. Yeah. And uh, communicate that. You can't really lose much. I just don't think that it's a correlation if he isn't doing chores that it's going to lead into bigger things in the future. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe we also will, don't know but... the situation. Yeah. We don't know if he's... Playing video games when he should be taking out the trash. That's yeah. a different situation. Than just working late. Or if late he's working until 8 p.m. and the know. trash isn't going out. Or if he's just a busy guy. He's got a lot of friends that he's seeing. Next one. I don't know if that helped entirely, but. It's hard when you don't know the situation yeah. intimately. Because you can't really just give blanket prescriptions. Yeah. Based on just kind of superficial knowledge i'm a 22 year old christian and my boyfriend and i have been dating for over a year now we're both finishing up our last semester of undergrad our relationship is amazing and we both really want to get married and are emotionally ready to take that step however neither of us make much money right now do you have any advice on having to wait to get married until it is financially feasible you're never going to be financially ready she's I think still she's still got a little bit well more. i think that but i think that like that kind of applies to the way people think about kids too yeah and it's like, you know, you make it work once you dive headfirst into it, you know. And if it means not living in New York City, moving somewhere like North Carolina, Texas, you know, yeah. somewhere more affordable, if, if that's really what you value. I think it's good to dive headfirst into those kinds of things if you're emotionally mature mm-hmm. enough, spiritually yeah. mature enough to get into something like that. 
I don't think financial burdens are uh, are a valid excuse. Yeah. In, in my opinion. I mean, I obviously mean, people... some situations are extreme where mm. it really isn't feasible. But yeah. if you're two hardworking people who are mature, like, I don't see how you couldn't make it work. Yeah. You know. I had always heard people say, you never think you're ready for kids. But I do think that having a certain amount of money saved does make things easier. Absolutely. I mean, if we got married and had hardly any money to put together our apartment, obviously we wouldn't have had to buy all these nice yeah, things that ha- we got. You wouldn't got. have money to absolute waste on <laughs> furniture. That... It wasn't a waste. I'm kidding. We're going to have this stuff for She'd a while. She'd be shopping. <laughs> that first month I was a bit. Remember I recorded how much it cost, all the furniture you bought. And, and that you was when you were really into the Excel you tracking. Got, you did a great job making this place look good. She also asked how much money you have to make slash have saved as a couple before you take that step. I don't think there's a dollar amount of money that you have to have Depends on where you live and what kind of lifestyle you expect to have. Yeah. And I mean, speaking from my perspective, I found it a lot easier to be better with money and to prioritize saving once we got married. I think you can make it work. And I think if you really do want to get married, like you'll make cutbacks. Like, yeah, it's a temper. You'll make temporary cutbacks to make it work now. And you'll build a foundation now working through those things that mm-hmm. will pay off in the future. And in the future, you'll get to have those things also that you like. Do you think it's easier to have financial goals and work towards them now that we're married? Versus I mean, just before? by virtue of two incomes. Oh, yeah. 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 Because even if you're both not making very much individually, it does feel like you have a lot more when it's oh, combined. Sure. So I would say, I, I don't want to say entirely to go for it because I don't know the situation. But here's the thing. It's like if you're making ten dollars a year like it it means you probably aren't ready like you're not mature enough to get married whereas if you're making a reasonable amount of money Mm -hmm. out of college you know with your first job and you're mature enough to eventually like it doesn't happen immediately but eventually land like a job that's solid Mm -hmm. um or you know start your own thing start your own business that's actually making money which you can definitely do in the digital world Mm -hmm. uh i think that's a sign that you are mature enough to get into it and it's not based on the dollar amount it's about you know, if you're the type of person who can hold down a, a job or a situation. Mm-hmm. That makes That's sense. Good. It does make sense. If you guys know me, you know how much I love wearing just very minimal, simple jewelry. And I've also been trying to get back into fashion. One of my favorite ways to kind of dress up outfits is just by wearing my favorite Ana Luisa jewelry. I'm so excited that they're sponsoring today's podcast because I love their pieces. If you guys don't know, Ana Luisa is committed to crafting sustainable and ethical jewelry that is also trendy, elegant, and will provide joy to those who wear it. And their pieces really do. They're so simple. They don't take away from you as a person, what you're wearing, but they just add the perfect amount of accessory to any outfit. They're also relatively affordable. Most of their pieces start at around $39, which is great. I know that jewelry can get pretty expensive, so it's nice that there's a bit of a more affordable price point. And on top of their already affordable prices, you guys can get 10% off when you use the code Michelle Reed on any Ana Luisa pieces. Ana Luisa is spelled A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. And then you can use my code Michelle Reed, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-E-E-D to get 10% off your order. I've shared on my YouTube videos and also my Instagram a 
few of their pieces, but I love their Michelle set. If you guys know Michelle Choi on YouTube, she has a collaboration with them. I wear her set every single day. I have the most beautiful, small, they're called the Huggy Hoops that I wear. They're just really minimal earrings that you can wear. But yeah, I love Anna Lisa. If you guys want to get 10% off, you can use my code Michelle Reed, which is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-R-E-E-D at Anna Luisa, which is A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. You can also check them out in the show notes of this episode. Okay, I like this one. She says, I was wondering if you had any advice for maintaining your independence while in a relationship. I've been in a committed relationship for four years now, and it feels like our lives are so intertwined that it's hard to get some separation. This is a good question. We also recently moved in together, so I feel like it makes it even harder to spend time alone and to feel a sense of independence. Yeah, install padlocks. If, you're, if your apartment's <laughs> got doors, get those locks on the door. We don't have doors. If our apartment had doors, you know that's what we'd be doing. <laughs> you're the one who talks I'm more kidding. than me. You're acting like of it's Of course, me. I'm kidding, but it is hard. It is hard when yeah. you live together to, ha- to have independence. I find like the gym time, mm-hmm. uh, the commute time, uh, even just like little errands, like making target runs. Like, and you go into the office more now, but I'm sure you probably some nights wish you could just no. You're always happy to see me when you get home. Oh, of course I am. Me and Cash. No, I know, but, but, I think, I, but look, it was, if you it look was... for it, if you look for independence in those small things mm. that you're already doing independently instead of just thinking about them as you know, just to commute or just like if you look forward to it as something that you enjoy on your own, like mm-hmm. I think it can help if you reframe it in your mind. Like the target run isn't just a target run. It's yeah. a time to sit in the car, get your Starbucks, you listen to a podcast. It. Not romanticize it, but just frame it in a positive light in a way that it's your time. Like I just think that that balances out your mindset a little bit where you're not thinking you're with that person all the time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's just finding times to do things alone. And I think a lot of times you just assume on a Saturday you have to do things together the entire day because you're both off of work. But it's okay for you to go see your friends. I think having friends yeah, that you can hang out hobbies, with individually. Having hobbies. your own hobbies and communicating that you value you know, some time with your friends that's independent. I think that's a big reason page. why my channel and my podcast and all that is primarily me versus a lot of people who are married it's about both of them. That's why XL is just my thing. <laughs> no, I like when you're a part of it every now and then, but I do think it's good to have separate things that you enjoy. I agree. Like a hundred. So. It's an absolutely important. Your marriage will fail if you're if you don't maintain your own personhood throughout it. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to communicate about it too. If it's something where you're not sure if you're having the amount of alone time that you need to feel like you're thriving. Oh, for reference, I am 21 years old. I'm graduating soon with my undergrad in Montana. Ooh, cool. Which we want to go to. And plan to enter graduate school out of state for an advanced degree after I get married next August. As a student... She's on top of the world. Montana. She is. Job. About to get married. married. That's cool. As a student currently, I work part-time with a lab on my campus where I assist in research being conducted by graduate students and full-time employees. While I'm a ways away from entering a full-time career and my part-time job, I have noticed that my coworkers and higher-ups don't really take me seriously, even though I present myself as hardworking, mature, and professional. Whether it be not taking my ideas seriously or ignoring them or treating me as if I'm below them and my ability, it's incredibly discouraging when I'm trying and working as hard as I can to further my education and further working career. 
I feel as though they don't give me a chance or choose to listen to me just because I'm an undergrad assistant in 21. It's especially discouraging because it makes the work environment less fun. It makes me feel insecure in my abilities, even though I know I'm trying my best. Yeah, I can relate to this. I'm wondering if you have ever felt this way and if you have any advice for dealing with this. I think everyone feels this way when they enter. When you're starting out. When you start out in the corporate world. And I think the sad reality is, is I think the way I think about it is you got to think about it from the other people's perspective. If Mm -hmm. you were a 35-year-old or a 40-year-old who's like a decade and a half into their career Mm -hmm. and then some young whippersnapper named Aiden comes along with some bright (laughs) ideas. With some bright ideas. He's got a new you know, formula to show off in Excel. And they look over and they're like, who is this person? Who does he think he is? And I always started thinking about it from that perspective. I'm like, okay, if I had been there for two or three years – Maybe they would take the time and they would know that I'm as I've bought in the mm-hmm. same level that they have into the corporation, into the business, or into whatever the organization is that we're working in. Uh, but it, you know, if I had internships and I had experiences where I felt the exact same way, and it's like, well, it's because mm-hmm. I was an intern who was there for you know only six months. I wasn't somebody who actually has proven that I'm established in it and I know what I'm talking about in it. So I think the harsh reality is that. Only time can cure that. And if it's not Mm -hmm. cured with time, if you're in an organization for three, five, six years and you're Mm -hmm. still feeling that way, you know, that's trouble. I mean, I think you could even know like after one year, after two years. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just one of the sad realities of of being a a newly grad. Yeah. I think if it's just not just, but if they're not taking your ideas, I think that's one thing. If you're being harassed or something, I think that's a totally different thing. But it doesn't sound like that. It just sounds like they're kind of discrediting your ideas. Yeah, or just – I think it's probably more of like a – like somebody's ignoring your ideas and you Mm -hmm. take that personally. And I've had moments where I've felt that way. But usually you make it bigger than your own head Mm -hmm. and it's just a busy person who's been in this job for 10 years who knows the right way to get it done. And isn't in the mood to hear. I think that's especially in a corporate setting too. Oh, for sure. Because when I was at my old job, it was very much a startup. And I actually did think that they took ideas from – I was just a coordinator. Yeah, you were in marketing too. It's all ideas. Whereas if you're in – it sounds like she's in STEM. She's working in a lab. If you're in finance, if you're in STEM, like these are things that are kind of – Pretty set in your ways. Yeah, people get set in their ways in those situations. But I do think people will start to take you more seriously the more time that you spend there. I think I think that your job takes your ideas. Yeah, but it took a good probably eight to ten months yeah. to a year. You should still keep giving ideas even if you feel discouraged. Yeah, but I think it's important to know when. Like you got to pick your battles too, mm-hmm. you know. And you've you got to offer them up in a way that's not presumptuous and it's easy for undergrads mm-hmm. to come off as kind of presumptuous with their ideas. It like, reminds me of what was the show we watched? Which one? The one where they were working in finance. Oh, industry. Yeah, yeah. that's a good, that's a very, yeah, what's that girl's name? What, what was her name? Piper, the main girl. I don't know if she, I think she was Piper. Yeah, or something like that. But she had too many ideas and she kind of alienated a lot of people. Yeah, part of working in a corporate world is the sad reality is there's a political aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And it's knowing like, you know, when to speak up and what not to speak up. Yeah. And when to play along and when to say, the, you know, the things that the company says and when not to learn how to play the game. Ugh, I'm so happy. It- <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's just it kind of. It's the reality, stings. though. It, that's the problem with with businesses that scale. Like yeah. when it's a large business, a large nonprofit, a, lar- a large mm-hmm. organization. Like 
it's just habits like that, you know, established and they're hard to get rid of. This one says, my boyfriend of seven years is applying to med school in England for September 2022. And if he gets in, I will be going with him and we will be getting engaged in the spring. Any advice for preparing to move in with someone across the world with no escape? (laughs) No escape. They got those locks. They can swim back. And for planning a wedding away from home. I'll take any advice and tips you have. So moving in together with someone. Well, you're you're starting a home together. Yeah. Right? You're getting engaged. This is your new home, yeah. at least temporarily. That it actually sounds really fun, but it also sounds intimidating. Like I'll let you from, handle this one. I think just knowing what you're getting into from the start and accepting that it's not going to be everything you may expect it to be. I think especially for me, it's easy to have a bunch of expectations, especially before we got married about like living together and what that was going to be like. Didn't meet your expectations. Well, I think I didn't have that. I'll take that as a no. It's no. It sounds bad to say that I didn't have expectations, but I just know when you have this image of how. You saw my apartment senior year in college. (laughs) No, I was. That's why I was pleasantly (laughs) surprised. Aiden's apartment in college was, let's just say for two years, all I would do was tell you that you really need to get a dresser for your clothes because your clothes are everywhere don't have too high of expectations and just take everything for what it is and just have grace with the other person because you're probably going to do things that bother them med school eight years i don't know how i think it depends on what you're studying and then you go work at a hospital or something for a residency yeah so i guess you wouldn't have to do that in england if you hated it you'd have to do this i think it's her her future fiance yeah who's doing med school yeah I'm saying if they end up hating England, mm. it's only three, well, three years. And it's a long time. But then it really isn't. Like, I think we're about to be in this place for two years, and that really flew by. What helped you for moving in with me? I just don't think for us really it was that of it big that of an way. adjustment. I think if you think if you trust the other person enough, you think of it as we'll just f- figure it out mm-hmm. one day at a time. If you don't trust the other person, you're going to panic because you can't think about it. We're going to take it one day at a time. Because you're going to be thinking, what's the other person going to think? Or what's the other yeah. person you know, going to want to do? Or is the other person going to value what I say or mm-hmm. trust my input? So if you have the foundation of trust with the person, you'll figure it out one day at a time. And then, then it will work out. But if you don't have that trust, I mean, you're going to be in chaos. Good luck. I think the key is just respecting the other person too. Because it can be easy when you move in together to feel like, this person just becomes your roommate. Yeah. When, and then when they start when, leaving that bathroom door open. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone's different. I've listened to a lot of people who say they fart openly in front of each other, which we don't really do. But they just can't believe that some couples don't do that. So everyone's just different. Yeah, I don't know how it got onto that. Because you mentioned the bathroom. Door. I took it to a whole new level. <laughs> okay, and then for it was planning, planning a, a wedding. wedding. Well, that's gonna be stressful. I mean, if you're getting married in so. England, well, it's true. Yeah. I mean, unless you're getting married in England, and then it's great because you're already there. I think if you could afford a wedding planner, that would probably yeah, be very helpful. Sure. Because, yeah, it sounds like she's planning it from England. And you were stressed. Yeah, but I was also here. And then my mom helped me a lot, so it was doable. And I also wasn't working a nine-to-five job. I think asking if you have bridesmaids or if you have a parent who's really invested in it, just making sure that they are able to help you too. Yes, but you don't want a parent too invested in it. No, no, no. You don't want them crafting their own vision instead of your own. And yeah, just doing it together. And just remember that it's about getting married too more than it's about the actual wedding day. And I think that a lot of people just put so much emphasis on the wedding and then they don't think about, you know, making sure that they're starting their marriage marriage on the right foot. 
<laughs> you keep sounding so daunting. What are you mean? talking about? No. The decades of marriage. Well, it's a big ahead. commitment. It is a big commitment. But it's a good one. And just to have fun, because that honestly sounds like so much fun. At least you're moving. Yeah, if you're moving across yeah. the world and you're not just doing it by yourself, you're getting to do it with the person that you really love. This one says, I'm a senior in college and I'm graduating in December. I really love school and I feel a little uneasy slash sad about graduating and closing this chapter of my life. I have a full-time job offer at an accounting firm, which I'm excited about, but part of me wants to go to grad school for accounting and take the CPA while I'm in school. I don't necessarily need to, but I just really enjoy school and I know it would benefit me in the long term. Obviously, that's a good thing, but the downside is it's expensive and it would mean turning down a job and waiting a year to a year and a half to start working and to get a paycheck. This wouldn't be a huge deal as my husband works full-time as a teacher, but it would set us back on financial goals and maybe mean waiting longer before having kids. There's just a lot to consider and I would love your advice and perspective. Is it worth it to go to grad school if I don't necessarily need to, even if it would help later on? Or is it better to start working and make money now? right off the bat, very specific to this question. Mm -hmm. If you get your CPA in accounting, you probably don't need to get your master's in accounting. If you're a CPA, first of all, you need to work under a CPA for the final portion of it. You need mm-hmm. to like apprentice. I don't know how many hours you have to get, but you have to. Does she have her master's? No, she's t- she's talking about either getting her master's. You read the question. I know. Well, sometimes I'm focusing on reading that I she's miss either parts. She's either going to go get a job right after college mm-hmm. or she's going to go get her master's and work on her CPA while yeah. she's getting her master's. Accounting. So what Kabi Hawu did? Yeah, uh, I don't know if she had, she had the CFA, Sorry, which is actually professor. probably easier than the CPA. CPA okay. is really hard, but once you have a CPA, you're set. Like, Could you just do anything basically? Uh, no, In anything? Yeah, I mean, you're like so. Like when a company like has financial statements, the person who signs off on it is usually a CPA. Like that's the credential that usually the, like the grand mm-hmm. you know accountant has, like the highest <laughs> level accountant. So, and then my my other point is, is that it's good to have a job while you're doing your CPA, at least from people I know who've gotten their CPA, mm-hmm. because you, there is a portion of the CPA where it's working underneath of somebody else who has a CPA. Mm-hmm. So if you're at an accounting firm, chances are there's going to be somebody there who also has their CPA who you're going to work mm-hmm. under, and then you can get that portion out. Whereas if you're not there and you're getting your master's, you're not going to have the same easy opportunity to work for a CPA. It's mm-hmm. going to take time to find it. And then also at the same time, like it's a little, I, th- I think it might be a little redundant to get the CPA and the master's mm-hmm. in accounting. I might be ignorant and, you know, I don't Missing know too something. much about accounting, but that's my initial response. Do you think she should do the job? Yeah. Yeah. I think <clears throat> it's, I think you learn the stuff that you're learning really well too when you're a practitioner in it. So when you're learning in the classroom, then also applying it while you're working. But do you think it's hard to go from school to job to school? That's what I always thought would be so hard about. Well, I'm saying no. I'm just saying no masters. Just don't get it. Get your CPA later on. No, get your CPA while she's working. That's how a lot of people do it. You do it because the CPA you do on your own. It's not a class. It's like a. It's like you know you get those big SAT books and you Mm. you study it. It's like that, but times ten. Yeah. And just accounting. You do it on your own. You self-pace it. There's no classes. Uh, I just always think that having work experience helps everything cpa is really good to have too i don't the masters i don't know i don't think it's as prestigious as as getting the cpa Mm -hmm. so i don't really think you'd have to get both if you had the cpa Hmm. but yeah i know a girl who's working at an accounting firm and then studying for the cpa it's hard it takes a lot yeah she has 
Yeah, I like, watched her I have YouTube a lot of videos respect for people who got their CPA. She's doing it in Houston, and it would be, just looks not. Yeah, it's it's tough. Talents are so smart. Yeah, I mean they know, you know how it's all working. Yeah, they're like engineers, but for money. Yeah, masters are expensive too. CPA is not as expensive as a masters. Although what's CPA, the price difference? Well, CPA, you're paying for the test, and you're you're paying for the the learning materials, so like the books and the practice mm. tests. I bet all in the CPA would probably be eight thousand, ten thousand dollars, whereas a masters would probably Maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars. Plus, I think a CPA, since it's it's self guided, like it forces you to learn it at a level you're not going to learn when you're mm -hmm. in a master's program. Because the master's program, you're paying for the infrastructure of the school, you're paying for the teachers to hold your hand through it all. And it's like if you can do the CPA on your own, like and get yourself to self learn, you're in good shape. You definitely probably have a mastery of it that you know you wouldn't get with just the master's. Aiden kind of wants to get his master's. No, no, maybe. No, Master's maybe. in finance, maybe. Or maybe an MBA, but... Okay, this one is different. This one's a spiritual religious Ooh. one. So it says, Lately, I've been struggling a lot with my religious beliefs. I'm a Christian, and I didn't grow up super religious or anything. My parents made me pray before bed, but that's about it. You sound like the parents. But I found my own way to God after a friend of mine died when I was 17. After that, I went to church and read my Bible a lot and even got a tattoo related to a Bible Ooh. verse. I felt safe in my faith and it carried me through a lot of hardships. I always had that friend-like bond with God and I talked to him about everything and I never felt judged. I'm 22 now and since the beginning of this year, I've been doubting my faith almost every day. I resent reading the Bible and I stopped praying because I suddenly started feeling almost annoyed whenever I even thought about the idea of God. I get angry when I see all the bad in the world, even though I know that it isn't God's fault, but ours. Still, I'm so angry at God all the time. Have you ever experienced doubts like this? And if you did, how did you overcome them? Do you think people can fully lose their faith? I'm really confused and don't know what to do. I think a lot of it's people can how they're feeling with themselves and how they're relating to themselves with how they're relating to God. And I sometimes think that when you're content and happy with yourself, you can project that onto your relationship. Yeah. I'm going to go. There's the verse in the Bible that talks about, is it doubting your faith or but, it's something about it being natural to have. Oh yeah. Israel like, means wrestle with God. We're all wrestling with God like all the time like that. You're never, it, that's why it's called faith. It's not called knowing. If it was called knowing, you would see God and be with good. God. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to talk in sound bites, but I think in prayer, a lot of people sometimes, and me included, can project my feelings about myself and my current mm -hmm. state onto you know what I envision my relationship with God as. Yeah. And learning how to be a little more objective, and I know that's hard to be objective about God, but to step outside of yourself in prayer and not think about God as how you're relating to yourself mm. and step outside of your own circumstances and relate to God in that sense mm. and get in the habit of being in prayer where you're not thinking about it solely through your own circumstances, but trying to step outside of it can get you to have a little more, uh, a little more solid of a, a view on God. I think that was what I realized when we were in New York city, we started going to a Presbyterian church and there was so much focus on not necessarily doing sacraments, but you know, there was a liturgy that you'd read and then you're taking communion. It's important to go through the motions. Yeah, more so than I think that there are a lot of churches and just... It's all about feelings. Religions where it's a lot about how do I feel about the circumstance or how 
like you said, am I relating to God when sometimes it is more than just about you? Feelings are important because they can be strong indicators for that level things. Yeah, and you don't want to go into legalism either. Exactly. But feelings are also, uh, by by their own nature, volatile. Mm -hmm. And they're ups, very high ups and very low downs. And if you train yourself to only relate to God through your emotions, your relationship is going to be attached to that roller coaster of emotions. So learning some stoicism and some being reserved and, you know, not just thinking through your emotions puts you at a higher level of thinking that gets you to a different type of relationship with God, I think. What do you think about the thing of why do bad things happen to good people? Like, why does God... bad things happen to everybody. Yeah. Because God doesn't... God is Or not... like seeing stuff that's awful in the world and thinking well, why You know, it's God... part of the trials of, of life. It's a test of our faith. It's a test of our bandwidth. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. And I it's like the, I think of it question. like the darker the night, the lighter the candle is. The more evil there is in the world, the stronger the good is, even if it's just small. Yeah. Because it's one small act of good against, you know, an increasing amount of evil in the world. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the world through that way and all you're seeing is evil, and then you, you know, look and see one small act of goodness within the sea of evil, like that act of goodness is more powerful than if it was just surrounded by good, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, evil is a very is a very real thing in this world that yeah. the, the modern church just refuses to acknowledge mm-hmm. and confront head on, and this is the consequence of them not confronting is that there's no conversation about it because yeah. they treat it as like a wishy washy thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it's uh, like I think evil is an intended aspect of our reality, and mm-hmm. it's important to reckon with. Yeah, sometimes when I feel really stuck in my head and I'm am thinking those thoughts similar to you, it helps just focusing my time on things beyond me because I really do think when you get exactly. your focus on beyond yourself, even if that's just being there for your friends and checking in on them yep. or I mean when I was in New York I was volunteering, volunteering, taking yeah. your dog out, like just attending to things that aren't yourself. Yeah. Gets you out of that. Because like I know when I'm having a day where I'm like cooped up and really uh-huh. overthinking things, getting out and seeing friends yep. and doing things for other people really does. It could be as easy as a text too. Yeah. yeah. And knowing that I think faith is stronger and weaker in different seasons of your life. Uh-huh. And I mean, do you think that people can lose their faith? I mean, if you choose to lose it, yeah. faith is a choice. It has to be a choice. Yeah, it's totally, it's always a choice. You choose it every day. Oh. And uh, if you consciously choose to not have faith i mean you're really sad well yeah well my point is also i don't think that's what this situation is Mm -hmm. god doesn't just let go of people i'm moving next year and i wanted to know how you adapt everyone's on the go (laughs) they are on the go transient i think it's because there's a lot of people who are graduating post displaced everyone yeah she says i wanted to know how you adapted to living in a different area slash state when you moved to new york city how did you find community and get involved was it easy to find a church really appreciate your advice aiden grew up in an area that was more urban already but i mean i moved from texas to new york so it was a lot different and i think i've touched on this one i just remember saying yes to everything saying yes to hanging out with new people going and seeing new places and i mean when i grew up in texas i think i kind of stuck to doing my same old same old i was working studying whatever and seeing a couple friends maybe here now and then when I moved to New York City, it was just constantly doing new things. And I think that's the best way to get adjusted to yeah. a new place is just throwing Treat it as an opportunity it. to get out of your shawl. Yeah. I mean, that's how we met. How and then for the church thing, I mean, we visited so many different churches. Yeah, I mean, it's even the case in Dallas, too. Oh, yeah. 
I think we visited more here than we did when we were in New York even. Eventually it gets to a point where you're not gonna have your perfect situation of, you have the worship that you want, you have the sermon that you want, you have the pastor that you want. Like it's never gonna be exactly what you want. But that doesn't mean that you sacrifice on things that really matter to you when you're finding a church, but don't get discouraged and eventually just don't go because you can't find exactly what you're looking for. I think you adjusted pretty easily when you went to New York keep an open mind yeah know your principles we keep an open mind in a new relationship that you see a lot of potential in while also being realistic i know when you did your engagement q a with aiden you talked about how you saw him as someone you would potentially marry within the first year but you also seem to have a really healthy and realistic perspective on relationship i've been with my boyfriend five months and it's the strongest i've ever felt about someone and i think we balance each other out we communicate well have fun together and our overall really good match He's someone I definitely see a future with, and when I expressed this to him, he said he felt the same way, but I want to make sure I'm not falling too hard, too fast, and getting way ahead of myself. While five months feels like a big deal to me, I know it's still the early phases of the relationship, so any advice on staying grounded and realistic while also appreciating the good would be helpful. I wish we had some examples of the good and the bad. What do you mean the good and the bad? Like if there's any red flags that she's alluding to it doesn't sound like i think she just because i hear this a lot of times people tell it's usually women that you shouldn't get too invested in someone too early in case a red flag eventually comes down who says that that's i mean our generation i think but we also we dated for four years too it wasn't like we only dated for six months and then got engaged but i think you could date for six months to a year and no yeah and get engaged yeah, I feel like I'm not the right one to answer this because I'm not really someone who thinks, oh, you, you got to put your guard up and stay guarded. I mean, no. when we started dating. For men and women, like this <laughs> whole thing where it's like, know your worth, no one's good enough for you. Because that's just never the case. And the only way that society grows and people grow is through their bonds with each other. And we're not going to develop bonds with each other if we're always on guard and not willing yeah. to commit to people out of blind love and obviously if there are really big red flags that's what i was saying earlier like if there were very clear red flags Mm -hmm. like yeah okay like get lost like get out of that situation but if there aren't those clear red flags and it's a good person Mm -hmm. who exhibits the like the character that you'd want in somebody i think it's good to take the risk commit Mm -hmm. and risk getting hurt yeah i think it's definitely worth it yeah because the two scenarios that come out of that is you commit and then you get married and you live happily ever after or be you commit doesn't go the way you want it to and it ends and you're heartbroken but i mean before getting married but you learn more about yourself and more about the world through Mm -hmm. situations like that and through pain like that than you would through any other situation very prophetic you learn more through pain well it's true you don't learn by sitting on the couch You don't. You don't learn through Zoom classes sitting on the couch. I'm sorry. That's how you learn about life. You get out there and you get hurt and you scrape your knees and you move on. You, you know, get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any harm. I mean, when we started dating, we spent so much time together. And, yeah, I think it's still good to have but, – don't drop all your friends. No, and, no only hang out with this person yeah don't become codependent yeah like you want to still have your hobbies like we mentioned and some sense of independence but if you're just considering should i commit fully and anticipate getting married to this person i don't think that's a bad thing no 
I just, I listen to a lot of other podcasts where people answer questions like these and they're like, you need to still make sure you're chasing your dreams. Yeah, no, Which that's you, the wrong you can answer. Because if it's somebody, if it's somebody who's preventing you from chasing your dreams, this they're isn't even a right conversation. Person. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not even a conversation. Get lost. Well, I think we believe it's Christians, though. No, we, we're worthless sinners. That's. Yes, but. Well, it's through grace. Yeah. And that's why we have to show each other grace. And that's what the blind commitment thing is. Yeah, but you don't earn your faith through work. I'm not talking about earning faith. I'm talking about earning the ability to say, I am an authority. I have value that mm. you're not worthy of, you know, yeah. dipping and overlapping your life into. Yeah. I think that that is kind of the common mindset. Mm. And I don't think that's the right mindset. Yeah. I don't think it's good to, unless it's like obvious, you know, unless they're yeah. like glaring red flags. But I think she would have mentioned the exactly. red flags yeah, if exactly. they were there. Exactly. So I say go for it. Yep, I do too. Because you said that you can only have value depending on your relationships. That's I'm not what I said. Un- no, I'm saying that our society is healthier when people have strong bonds. Yeah. And people develop strong bonds when they start building them at a young age and are willing to commit to people over a long period of time and yes. not always have their cards up. So but I'm you're saying, saying like friendships too. Yeah, 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 any type of relationship. And that, But I just think that same principle applies where you're not just holding out for the best thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're... You're, you're looking for what is the best in that person. This girl says, recently I saw a meme about this verse and the subject <laughs> came home with memes. me and my friends. I know. They're I feel poignant. like our generation, it's, it's, like her, it's poetry. She says, it said, but grant me this one request. She said, give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. I guess it's based off of Judges 1137. Mm. And she said, I'm not particularly in a rush to get married or be with someone, but sometimes it feels like it might always be that way. To preface, I am a Christian and my last relationship ended three years ago. Since then, I've gone on maybe three or four dates that have all been subpar because he wasn't a Christian, which was a priority Mm -hmm. for me. I know a lot of friends in the same boat, too. I guess my question is, how do Christians meet other Christian guys? I'm in a home group and a young adults group, but it seems like every guy is either married, not interested in me, or I just don't think we're compatible. (laughs) One of the church guys that picks up the chairs at the end of the service. (laughs) Not that the purpose of those groups is to meet someone, but that's kind of part of it. But people always tell me that's where I can meet a guy who loves Jesus. Is it all about timing and patience in the Lord? Or, or is there anything else I can do to see if God has someone for me and any other way I can meet a guy so that loves So this Lord? might be controversial. But oh, no. <laughs> I really do. Well, I don't think it's that bad. I really think that you can meet good God-fearing Christian mm-hmm. people not in church settings. Like, I think it is oh, great yeah. to go. To, but I also think, like, meeting people, friend get-togethers, or going to, a, you know, Things like that that just, like, would be outside of the Christian world. Mm -hmm. Like, Christians still exist in that world, too. And it's Mm -hmm. important for them to exist in that world, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you can – you might miss a lot of opportunities if you're ruling those types of ways of meeting people out. It's hard to even get in those settings. I guess friends of friends would be the easiest way to try to meet people. They're probably not just going to show up to a bar and then (laughs) – No, I know. I'm not saying go searching in the bars because that was probably the wrong example. But I get what you're saying, though. I do think that as Christians, a lot of times there's just so much emphasis on go to church and you're going to find someone. But and then it's that awkward thing when, oh, it's the only other single guy in the group. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kind of the parents start. <laughs> they're trying to kind of waft you together. Like vultures. Yeah. And you just and you don't want to be. I mean, it's good to put yourself out there and allow people to know that you're considering trying to find someone. But you don't want to come off as entirely too eager. Yep. Do you agree? I just think that sounds bad, but 
No, I agree with what you're saying. I think a lot of times in church Don't settings, pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. We just, we have, we know people of experience. This. People very close to me, so. Keep an open mind, but know your yeah. principles. That's Stick the tagline for this episode. Well, I just think it's an important way to yeah. view other people and navigate life. Seriously, cannot stand to be by himself. He keeps circling the living room. This. Yeah. Circle in the living room, coming back. But look at his face. I feel like we didn't give a substance enough answer for that last one. I was wondering what your thoughts are as far as a timeline to get married. My boyfriend and I have been together for two years, and he is in his first year of grad school nearby. And I'm about to finish my senior year of undergrad, and I'm applying to a bunch of graduate schools out of the state. We know that there will be a year of long distance as he's finishing his master's, and I start mine in another state. But after he's done, he plans to move out to wherever I am in school. It's never been my plan to live with someone before getting married, but logistically, it would make sense to live together in my second year of grad school and then get married when I'm done with school. Even though it's a couple of years away, I still get nervous about thinking about getting married so soon. Even though I know I want to marry my boyfriend, I don't feel old enough or ready to be married. I'm 21. How do you know you're ready? The timeline of when to get engaged, when to get married, when to live together alongside the time of when we're in school, when we're long distance feels so complicated and overwhelming. On top of that, I feel nervous about the fact that it's so soon. She said, I know this is pretty personal to spill in an email when we've never met, but I trust your advice and know you've always approached every topic with kindness. Um, I'm trying to remember how long you said that you've been dating. Not that I really think that Two that... Years? Yeah. Get married yeah. now. No. Maybe put grad school on hold a year. Get married. Finish yeah. where you are with him for a year while he finishes grad school. And then you two back up and go wherever you need to go. Yeah. I would say just to talk about it with him too. Because it seems like it's a lot of stuff in your head that you're overthinking the timeline. Cash, get on out. Cash is trying to eat the cords right now. But sometimes it's nice just to unload those thoughts with someone else sure and to feel that, yeah. But to feel like you're on the same team, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can't say that you're going to be ready at this age or you're going to be ready at this age. It just, you got married at near 21. I was 22, but still. Oh, yeah, you were 22. I had just turned 22. Yeah, that's right. Um, just a month, yeah. Gosh. I don't necessarily track. think that you should... Like, put off going to school if that's what you want to do. But I also don't think that doing... Well, it's not necessarily urgent to get your master's right after graduate school. Like, yeah. You can wait. And sometimes it is better to have a year of experience before going into a master's. And if that means you don't have to do the long distance thing, mm -hmm. that might be the better thing for your relationship. And for, in the long term, whatever your career is. Mm-hmm. I also don't think that a year of long distance sounds that bad, though. Well, maybe for you. No, I don't mean... Okay, well, I had never done long distance, so I guess I, I can't really speak it. on I, it. I wouldn't want no, to do I don't long think distance. anyone wants to do it, yeah. but I just know people who did it for four years before. Four years? I think that's Kristen Johns, the girl I watch. Oh, boy. Talking like I know Kristen Johns. She did long distance for four years? I think it was two or three years. Sorry. So, it sounds like we're in New York City with the ambulance in the background. Yeah, it's very cool. I don't think you should. It is a big deal and it's a big commitment, but I do think a lot of the things that we see online or in headlines about like people getting married young or even just getting judgment from friends can make you be more nervous than I think is necessary because it is a lot different and you do have new responsibilities. And I think if you're going to school at the same time, I imagine that's 
probably difficult, but it's also just a lot of fun. And sometimes it's easier going through those transitions in life when you are also in like a committed marriage. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like finishing out his master's together mm-hmm. and then going through her whole master's together instead of having to be separate for any of that. Yeah. Like it would be good for the relationship and I'm wondering if it would be good for the career. Because they say it's uh, it's better to have some work experience going into a master's. Because you just bring a lot more to the table, you know. Yeah. Like when you're in the classroom because you can pull from experiences. experiences. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, don't freak out about it and don't stress about it. Don't let it be something that keeps you up at night. believe those are all the questions that we're going to answer. I'm sorry if we didn't answer them entirely in the most thorough way we could have i still think it was helpful getting especially on the grad school questions and just the commitment questions having a guy's perspective i know i have a very lot of achievers yeah i have a lot of very smart um, viewers who are great but let me know if you guys enjoy this episode i would love to do another one with aiden in the future we'd have to think of something different though what do you mean? What like a fun themed episode. What kind of themes do other people do? Answering some interesting questions or something like that we what haven't talked type about. Of if you guys have an idea for next episode, comment below. No, they'd have to DM me because oh, they can't comment. It's a podcast. Because it's a podcast. But thank you guys so much for listening. Cash <laughs> is getting a little bit antsy, is ready to go out. So we will talk to you guys, or I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Or maybe I will too. And maybe you know too. No, Kenzie Elizabeth is going to be on my next. Wow, I hope you guys enjoyed. I know that was a bit of a longer episode, but again, I think every now and then it's just fun to do a very long chatty episode. If you enjoy, feel free to write a review and DM me. If you guys would like another episode with Aiden, have any ideas of what you'd like to hear from us, feel free just to DM me on Instagram. And of course, if you want to check out the sponsor of today's episode, Anna Luisa, it's Anna Luisa, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, and you can use the code Michelle Reed for 10% off your order from Anna Luisa. So thankful for you guys. I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye, friends.